Today on the Political Theory of Everything, I will be giving you your daily dose of news for today's date, Tuesday, December 28th. Welcome back after Christmas. I hope it was a good one. Uh, We are now moving on to New Year's, uh, coming up very shortly on, I guess, Friday night going into Saturday. Uh, But we have New Year's coming around. 2022 is on its way. Uh, Hopefully, a continuance of betterment, uh, a better year than 2021 and 2020. But until then... We are on to our articles for today. So from Fox News, uh, if you weren't in Virginia, you might not have heard about this at all. But a Civil War era um, time capsule was found under a Robert E. Lee statue and they opened it up. And so this article is going to go into uh, what they found. So the title, Time Capsule Found at Confederate General Robert E. Lee Statue Site Reveals Civil War Era Artifacts. Subtitle. News accounts from the late 1800s detailed the placement of the time capsule in the foundation of the pedestal. And the article starts. Books, money, ammunition, pamphlets, newspapers, these were but a few of the Civil War era artifacts that conservation experts uncovered in a time capsule found at the site of a Confederate General Robert E. Lee monument. The 36-pound box was discovered in Richmond, Virginia, and carefully extracted from the monument site a day earlier, making the end of a long search for the elusive marking the end of a long of a long search for the elusive capsule as the contents inside were unpacked they appeared to match the description of the 1887 time capsule that conservation experts had been looking for quote it does appear that this is the box we expected end quote said kate ridgeway the lead conservator for the virginia department of historic resources records maintained by the library of virginia suggest that dozens of richmond residents organizations and businesses contributed about 60 objects to the capsule including confederate memorabilia Along with several waterlogged books, pamphlets, and newspapers, the box contained an envelope of Confederate money, which conservators carefully separated, and two carved artifacts, a Masonic symbol, and a Confederate flag. Conservators also pulled uh, buttons, coins, and mini balls, a type of bullet shaped uh, a type of bullet used in the Civil War from the box. A bomb squad had checked the capsule Monday, partly to make sure there was no live ammunition. Uh, the contents of the box had expanded from the dampness and had stuck together, making unpacking difficult, so, so conservators decided to relive, relieve pressure by cutting down one side. After Ridgeway and other team members meticulously extracted each object, other conservators would then cart the pieces uh, to the back of the lab for further study and cataloging. The team made sure to photograph each object in the box before manipulating it. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam ordered the enormous equestrian statue of Lee removed in 2020 amid nationwide protests sparked by the police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Litigation pushing back against his plan in the statue. Uh, Sorry, litigation pushed back against his plans, and the statue was not removed until September after a court cleared the way. Uh, contemporaneous count, uh, news accounts from the late 1800s detailed the placement of the time capsule in the foundation of the pedestal, and imaging tests conducted earlier this year appeared to confirm its existence, but a lengthy search during the September statue removal came up empty. Uh, so basically the time capsule was discovered two weeks ago generating excitements, but hours of painstaking and ultimately anticlimactic examination suggest that the artifact was placed by someone else, perhaps someone involved with construction.
Interesting. Um, so there's that with the time capsule. Uh, so uh, we don't know too much about it right now. Not a lot has been said, uh, just basics on what it is. I'm sure shortly you'll be able to find out what you know newspapers and such said. But I thought that was pretty cool. And I always think time capsules, like someone 140-ish years ago basically looked at this, looked at these papers, these newspapers, and read them and was like, Oh yeah, and like that's that's how that's that was their life. Like that's a capture of their life right there. Someone read that in the morning, uh, and then for some reason it ended up in the time capsule. But you just see these, and like that was genuinely like someone printed that in their job back then, having no idea that that one would be the one that shows up today. I, I just think those things are so cool. It's just you don't know how these things play into the future, um, and who knew 140 years later that we'd be looking at it. I mean, like I had no idea when printing it or that girl had no idea when printing it that we would end up seeing it in 2021 uh, going into 2022. So that's pretty cool. I think just time capsules as a whole, uh, the idea of them um, as the Nickelodeon one will be opened up in uh, 2040, I believe. So hopefully we all can make it to then. Um, but until 2040, we are going to go back to 2021 earlier this year from CNN article title. January 6th panel stands down on a request for some Trump documents after pushback from Biden administration. Uh, so as you know, the Congress has been investigating January 6th um, pretty much, I think, I don't know exactly what the end goal is um, or the objective end goal. Obviously, the left, it would be to make it um, basically an historic terrorist event in a way, domestic terrorist event, and uh, for the right to not to downplay it, but to say like, look, this was not a coup. Uh, we were not attempting to overthrow the government during this. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. And, um, you know, it's not Trump's fault, all those, or President Trump's fault, all these things that they're trying to, uh, I guess, figure out on this. Uh, the idea would be unbiased wise is probably to figure out just um, did someone cause this? Is there anyone to blame? Or was it truly just uh, really random after a rally earlier? And I, I guess that's the goal, but we move on to the article. The House Select Committee investigating January 6th has stood down on its request for some documents from the Trump White House after the Biden administration convinced the panel to, scan back its, to scale back its pursuits. As a result, the committee won't be getting hundreds of pages of National Security Council records, but the documents may not have been all that helpful anyways. The revelation comes in a new round of letters about the status of Trump-era documents held by na the National Archives. It's the first time the Biden administration appears to have pushed back significant, significantly against the House Select Committee as National Archives works through thousands of pages of records from the Trump administration at the request of the House Committee. At least some of the House, House's documents requests appear to have gone too far, even for the Biden administration. Such a development isn't out of the ordinary during a congressional inquiry into West Wing affairs, but it hadn't emerged yet for the House Select Committee, which had been essentially aligned with the Biden White House on questions of access. The curtailing of the House panel's request, however, may not affect its core mission of understanding then-President Donald Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 presidential vote and the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. That's because this latest round of documents over which Congress and the executive branch negotiated, quote, appeared to have no content that would be 
that might be material to the select committee's investigation, end quote, said the Biden White House uh, late, uh, in a letter this month. It said it wants to keep these records secret to preserve the confidentiality of discussions and advice around the presidency. So a big move uh, by the Biden administration to protect the Trump administration. We've, we've seen the Biden administration scale back also on their attacking of the Trump administration. Um, uh, I'd also like to mention in this, you notice they're saying, Biden administration and at the beginning of the presidency uh, or this administration, they call it the Biden-Harris administration. So you can start seeing that, um, I mean, on reality going back to normal, but you but you don't see that push as hard at the beginning. It was like, no, this is the Biden-Harris administration, but you don't see that push anymore. Uh, it just is the Biden administration, which is what all other, I mean, Trump administration, that's just what they're called. Uh, so it's not like, oh my gosh, you know, first time ever. Um, so that's not a big shock, but that's just something to notice in their verbiage. Uh, and we also see here that it says uh, insurrection at the Capitol. And so when you look up the actual definition of an insurrection, depending on where you have your sources, um, dictionary.com or the Oxford Dictionary says a violent uprising against an authority or government. Uh, so that seems to be relatively fitting. Um, a violent uprising. It wasn't crazy violent, but it was certainly violent. Uh, I'd say that, you know, the riots over the summer were a lot more violent than that. Uh, and fortunately, only one person died. Um, and I mean, I mean, one person there, uh, we don't know exactly what that one officer, I mean, he was hit, but uh, it doesn't, it, his uh, death was weird. Um, but it's basically the act or instant of revolting violently against authority. Um, and that's where you can see it, 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 it's insurrection is a very strong word because the connotation with it is overthrowing the government. Um, but I don't believe that was like anyone's intent for January 6th. Also, because you could see a lot of them were walking through the white, uh, sorry, the Capitol, like taking photos of stuff. They weren't, you know, obliterating things or destroying things. I mean, they got the windows outside, but once they got in, um, they destroyed a few things. But it was, it was actually kind of, it was funny. It was almost like, they saw other people getting in. They were like, wait, I can go in the Capitol. I'm going to go ahead and go in the Capitol and go for a tour while other people, you know, had much worse uh, ideas in mind. You, you could see at least for a few of them, a number of them uh, walking around taking photos of things. Um, so it was a really weird scene. Um, at January 6th, but we continue, quote, by President Biden recognizes that Congress has a compelling need in service of its legislative functions to understand the circumstances that led to the insurrection. The documents for which the select committee has agreed to withdraw or defer its request do not appear to bear on the White House's preparations for or response to the events of January 6th or on efforts to overturn the election or otherwise obstruct the peaceful transfer of power, end quote, from Jonathan Suh, a lawyer for the Biden White House. I think the other part is they might also find that by uh, President Trump, former President Trump and all of them had no connection to um, January 6th uh, outside of his one, you know, stop the steel rally. Um, but after that, like the fact that the, ins the, the uprising, the insurrection, whatever, riot at January 6th in the Capitol um, wasn't related to President Trump at all. He didn't have any influence on that. Uh, he didn't cause it. That might be the other reason why they're blocking things off is because you'd be able to see like, oh, this is almost making him look innocent. Uh, but you, we don't know truly the intents. They can say whatever they want and we will never know the true intent of blocking this. Uh, but you have to keep your mind open. So just, in the, you know, okay, maybe it is because they don't want 
they don't want to have make a big deal out of or have a lawsuit in regards to the privacy concerns by releasing all these things and all these discussions. And I think also maybe it's also uh, it won't help at all. And if anything, it would hurt. Uh, so I think that's why a lot of it's just like the White House isn't interested in allowing the Congress to move forward with getting those. Um, but the House is still seeking, and the Biden administration is willing to release more than 700 pages of crucial Trump White House records documenting Trump's and top advisors' discussions, phone calls, and visits up to and on January 6. But Trump filed a lawsuit to block their release and continues to claim that several hundred pages should be kept private under his assertions of executive privilege. He is asking the Supreme Court to hear his case after losing at two lower courts. Uh, that really would be an upper court uh, issue or not even of course Supreme Court issue as that's very 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 related to uh, the Constitution um, and so we'll see what happens with this um, uh, it, it might take a bit of time but hopefully not a super long amount of time January 6th is coming up shortly um, again well the one year of January 6th is coming up shortly so uh, we'll see how the media and social media reacts on January 6th and all the postings about it. I'm sure everything will go crazy again, like, oh, one year ago today, you know, all these things. Um, but until then, we move on from the CNN article to um, The Blaze and their title, uh, Minnesota School District Approves Extra Pay for Non-White Teachers. Interesting. Um, the real question behind this is, is it only, can this extra pay, pay only apply to non-white teachers? Um, so as we head into the article, we have to look at what does it mean by extra pay for non-white teachers? Um, and then is it truly only for non-white teachers? Because then you're discriminating against the race, which means there's going to be lawsuits and this will be shut down. Um a Minnesota school district will soon exclusively give non-white teachers extra pay to become mentors to other minority teachers. So that's where, okay, we look at this and we say, is that fair? Um, is it fair for this specific races um, to get a, a bonus, basically, because um, like minorities, I mean, you can't really have a white mentor to a minority in the way that they want them to. The idea is that a, a non-white mentor would be able to like, look, this is how it is minority here. Let me help you out getting used to this for whatever reason uh, to, I'm guessing, other and newer minority teachers. Uh, so we have to look at this. Uh, is this constitutional? Does this, does this mean that all races are being treated equal? And I, I'm, I'm just based off this, I'm going to say no, because why wouldn't a white teacher, then you would ha I would say you'd have to have white teachers be able to mentor two white teachers for the same pay. Um, and I, I, that's really all, the only way that's fair, because that means the only reason that a white teacher can't do this is because of their race. That's the only reason they don't qualify for this. That's the only reason they can't get extra pay is simply because of their race. Um, so I doubt this will actually uh, really end up working out well, but who knows, honestly. Um, but we continue. The Mankato School Board earlier this month voted unanimously to provide additional stipends to non-white teachers who become mentors to other non-white colleagues. Additionally, Minnesota-based Alpha News reported that the new policy will also see the district, quote, placing American Indian educators at site with other American Indian educators and educators of color at sites with other educators of color. End quote. Uh, I think that's interesting. I feel like you would want to spread them out, meaning you might have some schools where you have a lot of minorities uh, teaching, but then at another school, because you want to keep them together, 
I mean, I guess they want them to feel more comfortable, but I, I really don't think a teacher is going to care how many of them are around them. I mean, I don't know. I just, I think that's, that's a very dangerous move because if you do get it to a point where this school has 10 black teachers and then this school has one or two, but then that wouldn't happen because you would move them over to the one with 10. So then you end up having zero. Uh, so I think that that's going to have to be done exceedingly carefully if they do that. Uh, the school board claims that this new policy will, quote, increase opportunity for collegial support, end quote. Uh, for teachers who are black, indigenous, and for other people of color, they hope to increase retention rates among these demographics. Quote, retention strategies may include providing financial incentives for teachers of color and teachers who are American Indian to work in the school or district uh, for at least five years and placing American Indian educators at sites with other American Indian educators and educators of color at sites with other educators of color to reduce isolation and increase opportunity for collegial support, end quote, the policy reads. Uh, before the vote on December 7th, board members denied the policy that the policy of placing teachers at different work sites based on their race would amount to segregation. That's why I'm saying you've got to be extremely careful about how you do this because it could very quickly end up being a an unintentional version of segregation. And I think that's a dangerous, this is a very, very dangerous policy. And depending on who gets in the power, it could go wrong very quickly. Quote, when you're one minority of a white majority, it can be very isolating and lonely. To have a support system in place for them is not to segregate them. It is absolutely to support them. My biggest fear is that we are going to lose talent because of the feeling of being unsupported by those within our district. It's not about trying to throw uh, the few people of color individuals we have into one building. It's about showing them they aren't alone. It creates... Uh, and that was, uh, end quote, that's from uh, board member Aaron Roberts. And then adding on to that, Vice Chairman Kenneth Reed says, quote, it creates global citizen citizens at the end of the day, end quote. Uh, so according to Alpha News, the school board based the language of the policy on state law that says, quote, school districts must develop teacher mentoring programs, end quote, and that districts may offer, quote, additional stipends as incentives to mentors of color or those who are American Indian, end quote. Uh, interesting. So language policy on state law. So I guess this is um, school districts are supposed to be doing this. That's really weird. Uh, well, there you go with that part. Um, the racial, uh, I continue, uh, the racial component is drawing opposition from at least one state lawmaker. State Representative Jeremy Munson, he's a Republican, blasted the policy on a Facebook post calling the state law uh, it is based on racist. Uh, quote, our largest, our largest local school district just voted to pay people differently, not on merit or by the content of their character, but based solely on the color of their skin. This is allowed and encouraged under revision to the Minnesota State Statute 122A.70, end quote, Munson wrote. Um, but there you go. Well, that's a very interesting that it comes from the state law. I'm sure that'll all be shut down, honestly, relatively quick. I wouldn't, I just, I just can't see that working out because the only reason, I mean, if you went into a job and this job said, um, if you're white, I mean, imagine the reverse. That's the big thing is imagine if this was only for whites. And if it's racist, then it should be racist the other way, because you'd say, well, why do only whites get that? And the minorities don't. And then you look at it over here and now it's, wait a minute, you, you, all you did was flip the race. It's the exact same situation, but you flipped who it is. So if it's racist when white people get it and black people don't, then why wouldn't it be racist when black people get it and white people don't? Um, 
and that's just that's because we see it well that's a minority so they need this boot or the but it's still based on race which is um racism it benefits one and not the other that is racism and so um i i just i cannot see this standing for very long maybe it will in today's world honestly who even knows anymore um, but a very racist um, move by Minnesota school districts. And frankly, it seems like not even the Minnesota school district, but Minnesota state laws. Um, I mean, I mean, this is this is crazy. And I wonder how teachers feel about it in those in this district and in that state. And I'm sure we will hear about it shortly from a lot of them. Uh, but until we do, we move on to CBS News. Title. CDC cuts COVID-19 isolation guidance down to five days amid Omicron surge. Uh, so this one I decided to bring up like, okay, cool. It's a five day um, isol- isolation, whatever. Um, that's nice, I guess. But the other thing is Rashid Talib even tweeted, um, are we putting like the once of CEOs and all those above our own? Because um a bunch of CEOs like United and all them were requesting that the isolation period be put down to five. And this pandemic has minted nine new billionaires, like literally just because of the pandemic, they're billionaires because of the pandemic, meaning if the pandemic never happened, they wouldn't be billionaires, at least for now. And so they're really asking right now, okay, the CDC first was listening to this teacher union, just doing whatever the teacher union wanted. Now are they listening to, um, the CEOs and all those because they need that because the CDC gets hired in by the administration in power. And if they get invited in by the, I mean, they get their job because of the administration that's in power, then they want those people who like the administration and fund the administration to be appeased. And so the teachers union was huge for this administration. It, It gave a lot of money and a lot of votes. So they appease the teachers union. Now that the teachers union has been appeased, appeased, you have to move over to these other people who would be huge um, in supporting all those. And we see that kind of with certain CEOs being able to say, oh, I want it to be five days or I want it to be this and this. And then that happening. And this is one of those things that CEOs had been asking for. And now all of a sudden it works. Uh, but we move on. Americans who test positive for COVID-19 but do not have symptoms can stop isolating after five days as long as they continue wearing masks. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced on Monday having the agency's previous isolation period down from 10 days. The CDC also ha- said it was, has been or was loosening its guidance for quarantining after a COVID-19 exposure for unvaccinated Americans or those eligible for a booster who have not received their sh- additional shot. Uh, it now recommends a five-day quarantine followed by five days of strict mask wearing, but it says that if quarantine is not feasible it can be skipped as long as they wear a mask in the 10 days after exposure <laughs> this is just the weirdest thing because what's weird why wouldn't this work at ori- during original covid but it works now because the original covid was far less transmissible but all of a sudden this works now for a far far more transmittable version of covid isn't that interesting isn't that interesting all of a sudden this flip that they're doing and they're getting away with it uh, this blows my mind. You can just see the power moves here. You can see the politics happening within the CDC and the NIH um, for all of these recommendations that are happening, like this one, where now you can wear a mask. If you, oh, I can't quarantine, and now you can just wear a mask according to CDC guidelines. So this is going to be huge for uh, schools and all of those. Like, how are they now going to address when a when a when a student came in close contact? It doesn't look like they have to, they, they, they aren't recommended to, or they're recommended to go home, but they don't have to. If that's not feasible for the student, they don't have to. 
So that is that is huge news for schools mainly, and also I mean businesses. If businesses are just like I don't, we don't care. We want our employees here. Then, I, I mean, they pretty much can do that. So this is a big move by the CDC to say that, and it said, uh, regardless of um, the vaccine, whether if they don't have the vaccine or the booster shot, they can just wear the mask. I mean, that's 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 crazy. Um, the, the ginormous switch that's been made. But we continue on in the article. Uh, so the CDC says people who are fully vaccinated and boosted do not need to quarantine after exposure. The agency had previously said that all vaccinated Americans, regardless of whether they had received a booster shot or not, did not need to quarantine after close contact as long as they did not have symptoms. So basically... Um, it's saying here that you don't need to do anything uh, if you are vaccinated with a booster. And um, that's because the idea is that the booster shot better defends against the Omicron variant. But they're saying there, if you are boosted, you don't need to worry about it. If you get in close contact, cool, just resume your life. Who cares? Um, we now have a quote from CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky that said, quote, the Omicron variant is spreading quickly and has the potential to impact all facets of our society. CDC's updated recommendations for isolation and quarantine balance what we know about the spread of the virus and the protection provided by vaccination and booster doses. These updates ensure people can safely continue their daily lives, end quote. Uh, and so just to double check ourselves here, obviously, before we get too excited, um, it does say uh, unvaccinated Americans five-day quarantine, five-day strict masks, but if that doesn't work, it can be skipped as long as they wear a mask. And that is that says for unvaccinated Americans. So that's crazy. Um, huge change. And once again, it's... I don't get why now that works and before it didn't. I mean... I mean, none of this makes sense just in comparison to earlier strains, but... I mean, it just shows how politicized that COVID-19 has become uh, versus how, I don't even, like, is this, it's a more, it's more transmissible, but you don't have to quarantine. I just, I don't understand it. Um, we resume the article. The change mirrors a similar move by the CDC announced last week to shorten its isolation guidance for healthcare workers amid a surge of Omicron infections that has sidelined the staff members in an already strained healthcare system. Uh, many communities are now seeing record numbers of cases and rising hospitalizations fueled by the variant nationwide. The average, uh, the daily average of cases tallied by the CDC has accelerated to a pace not seen since the deadly surge of cases last winter. Several industries have blamed the recent surge in Omicron cases for crippling much of their workforce. Thousands of flights were canceled or delayed over the holiday weekend as pilots, flight attendants, and other airline workers were forced to isolate after breakthrough cases. In deciding uh, to shorten the recommended, recommended isolation period, the CDC data shows the majority of transmission, quote, occurs early in the course of illness, end quote, within two days before symptoms begin and three days after. The CDC also cited recent data from South Africa and the United Kingdom where Omicron is spread widely, showing a booster shot could restore vaccine effectiveness against the infection. Data published on Thursday by health authorities in the UK found that vaccine effectiveness against symptomatic infection from the Omicron variant was around 70% among those who had received a Pfizer boost recently, booster recently, but dropped to 45% after a 
at least 10 weeks. Vaccine effectiveness remained as high as 75% among those with a Moderna booster up to nine weeks after the shot. Officials stress that being vaccinated and boosted provides strong protection against serious illness and hospitalization if a person does get infected. Just over a third of vaccinated American adults have received a booster shot. Uh, after accelerating earlier this month to record highs, the nationwide pace of booster shots has slowed in recent weeks. Early findings from investigations of the virus abroad also suggest the course of Omicron infections progresses faster than from the Delta variant with the average incubation period, the time from when someone is exposed to the virus until they develop, until they develop symptoms, dropping to as little as three days. Uh, and then it basically says Walensky wants you to get vaccinated and boosted. So a weird move um, from the CDC and health professionals um, that just... it. Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan once said that the more the plans fail, the more the planners plan. And that's what we see right now is just... It doesn't seem, honestly, like, like we see from Louisville, their study and all these things that masks end up working uh, to curve. They don't curve at all. Uh, masks don't seem to work for uh, the transmission of them. Uh, just from on a, in a on a broad basis, where masks were uh, forced, where mask mandates were happening, there was no difference in spread versus where no mask mandates were happening. And we see that with, I mean, you have the vaccine where, I mean, you have states. New York is 72% vaccinated, something around that. It's in the 70s or around that, I believe, with one or two shots, and so is Florida. It, it has 70% of people with one or two shots. Um, and 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 I mean, I may I imagine if you get the first shot, you'll get the second shot. So you know that 70% with one shot or at least one shot. That basically means two shots because they're bound to get their second shot unless something happens, you know, like if they are having health issues and also the first shot didn't work out so well and the doctor's like, hey, second shot isn't the best idea just for your, like if you're immunocompromised or something like that, then okay, cool. But the majority of those people, if not all of them, basically, uh, will get that second dose. So you look at Florida even basically at the same vaccination percentage as New York, and yet you see CNN and all of them will target Florida and say, no, Florida is going to have the outbreak. Florida is going to be really bad. But you're like, wait a minute, looking at these numbers, they're almost identical to New York. So why aren't you saying the same about New York? And that's because it's being so politicized where they want it to be a red state versus green state issue. I mean, sorry, red state versus blue state issue when it's really not. And each state needs to address their own COVID thing, which, which is what Biden actually said today. He said there's no federal solution and that states need to look at their own situations and fix them based off their situations because everyone is different. Um, and so we saw that today. We see this now with the CDC just backing away. And I think this is the start of the end uh, for COVID-19 is they realize people are fed up. They realize people are done. I mean, only a third of people have got booster shots. It's not like there's a, a, a shortage on them. Um, you can just see people are like, look, I'm done with COVID. Uh, Omicron really doesn't threaten me at all. I just want to move on. And so we see in South Africa, like they said, their peak is gone. If you go look at their graphs, they literally are done with their, their Omicron outbreak. And they're saying the same thing is supposed to happen in America. Just people are very fed up with how politicized this entire outbreak or this entire pandemic has been. Um, and you don't even know what to trust anymore because you're like, well, I don't even know if the CDC is doing this for policy or politi political reasons or if they're doing it for genuine health reasons. Um, it's really difficult to 
differentiate now, um, especially because there's science backing both of them. You know, you have science that says masks don't work, but then you can also have science that says it does. But it's very, it's just a very confusing thing to sift through and figure out um, what's true or closer to being true and what's not. Um, but we move on to a completely unrelated story um, from the Daily Wire title, Every uh, quote, every county is a border county, end quote. Suspected illegal alien with alleged Mexican cartel ties arrested in Culpeper, Virginia. So we have not talked about the border crisis that's still happening at all in a very long time. So I'm bringing up um, something that just reminds you that these, the illegal border crossers, I'm not saying that all of them are, but the illegal immigrants that come into our country are everywhere. Um, it's not like they just sit in Texas or Arizona and other states around the border or near to the border. They are very near. I mean, for if you're in Virginia, Maryland is one of the top states for them to go to. I mean, you're very near to it. If you're in Virginia, West Virginia, Delaware, that area, you are very close to it. Um, and it's it's right in your backyard, like this one is. A suspected illegal alien with ties to a, quote, well-known Mexican cartel, unquote, was arrested in Culpeper, Virginia, last Friday, prompting authorities to warn Americans that President Joe Biden's southern border crisis is endangering citizens across the country. Quote, Virginia citizens should realize the extent that Mexican cartels have continued to increase their activity nationwide. Our detectives have purchased kilos of drugs as well as firearms in our region for many months, end quote, Culpeper Sheriff Scott Jenkins said via Facebook. Quote, I often say every county is a Borden County, and our southern border has been much more wide open since the end of January this year, end quote, which obviously as a sheriff, he's not going to go out and say because of the Biden administration, but you can see there since the end of January this year. Oh, hmm. What happened in the end of January this year? Oh, wait, the inauguration. So Jenkins comments came after, quote, um, Detective Jay Vasquez conducted a two-month investigation as a member of the Blue Ridge Narcotics Task Force in the illegal sale of firearms by Dulier Jimenez Barrera, 41 of 517 First Street in Culpeper near Yowl Meadow Park, end quote, the Culpeper Star exponent reported, uh, quote, during the investigation, several firearms, high capacity magazines and ammunitions were purchased from Barrera, end quote, the proper paper, gee, the paper also reported, quote, task force members also seized $11,700 from the suspect's home, end quote. Um, it then just goes through the, the, the Facebook, uh, posts and just, uh, gives that, uh, the daily wire has previously reported that dep deportations under Joe Biden have decreased 90% while illegal immigration has risen to levels not seen in decades. Quote, immigration enforcement as measured by the number of, of aliens removed from the country has collapsed to the lowest level since the mid 1990s. According to the immigration and customs enforcement dep deportation records, the center has obtained. Under policies imposed by the Biden administration, removals dropped by 80% since last year, year's low point during the pandemic lockdown, and a 90% and by 90% since 2019, the last normal year of ICE operations. End quote, said Jessica Vaughn, Director of Policy Studies at the Center of Immigration Studies. Um, so the Daily Wire also reported that in November, U.S. Customs and Border Patrol encountered 173,620 illegal aliens. That's just November. 173,620. I mean, that's, we'll just multiply that by 10. I mean, we're talking over uh, 2 million a, a year. And that's if, I mean, that's just mind blowing. If that's going to be the new norm, um, over 2 million a year. Um, 
173,620 illegal aliens along the southern border, and that, quote, of those, 25% involved individuals who had at least one prior encounter in the previous 12 months, end quote. In a statement given to the Daily Wire, a spokesperson for ICE confirmed that, quote, Dulier Jimenez Barrera is believed to be a citizen and national of Guatemala. However, he has not previously been encountered by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement and is currently in ICE custody, end quote. Um, it continues, quote, ICE issued an immigration detainer based on probable cause that he violated U.S. law and will seek to take custody of him after his release by local authorities, end quote. Um, the, this ties into a lot of things as the Biden administration handed Vice President Kamala Harris the border and other issues, but the border was one of them that they said Vice President Kamala Harris would take care of, and obviously there's been nothing done. She hasn't actually visited the border truly. She's gone to Texas, but she never got in eyesight of the border. And the Guatemalan president has mentioned how she's never called him. I mean, I mean, all these border countries are like, <laughs> okay, you say you want to fix it, but you haven't talked to any of us. It's very obvious that you're doing nothing. You're just showing up and, and acting like you are around when you haven't even seen the border. You lied and said you'd been to the border, but you hadn't been to the border at all. And then you're like, oh, well, I also haven't been to Europe. It's like, who asked? Like, who cares? Go to the border. That's what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about your vacation to Europe. I want you to go to the border and actually look at it, you know, at least see the situation, talk to people there who are having to live with this every single day, talk to border patrols who have had to encounter over 170,000 illegal aliens. And you won't even go, you won't even go look at it, not even a nice area of it. You, you just sit on the sidelines, let your approval rating drop to pretty close to 20% now. I mean, we're, we're not even probably around 26%, 27%. And you're just letting them drop. I, I just don't get it at this point. Just okay, one in four Americans likes you. One in four Americans. What do you have to lose at this point by going to the border? I'm like, come on. It's it's absolutely pathetic what's been going on. And so hopefully we can get someone from the Biden administration over at the border. Um, I mean, I, how much more could President Biden do? I don't know. Because um, obviously, or would do, I shouldn't say can do, but would do. I, I don't know because if... President, I mean, Vice President Kamala Harris isn't doing anything. Why would President Biden do anything, especially because he put Vice President Kamala Harris to go down to the border? And if she's not doing anything, and it's been months, and he hasn't said, okay, come back, I'm going to take care of it, then obviously he doesn't care about the situation, and he's going to let it keep going. So we're at 173,000 in November. I'm sure it'll only go up uh, more and more, especially during the warm months uh, as we move into spring in the, uh, a couple months from now. It's just, it's going to be a very brutal situation down there. Um, we have one more article for today. I um, This is probably one of the weirdest articles you'll ever hear, um, but I, I really, really wanted to read this to you guys after I heard about it. Uh, this is from the Washington Examiner. Title, Men Receiving Vasectomies as Quote-Unquote quote, Act of Love, End Quote, uh, Protesting Texas Abortion Law. The article starts. 
Men across the nation are engaging in acts of love toward their partners by receiving vasectomies as a form of protest against a controversial Texas abortion law. Dr. Kushik Shaw of the, at the Austin Urology Institute in Texas informed the Washington Post he has seen a 15% in increase in men coming in for scheduled vasectomies. After the Texas ban has, was enacted on September 1st, Shaw noted that men were, the, they were there for the procedure because the law affected quote-unquote family planning. Shaw said patients would explain that they were there, quote, because of some of these changes that Greg, that Governor Greg Abbott and our legislative have pa legislature have passed that are really impacting our decision making in terms of family planning, end quote. Um, it resumes, quote, so that was a new for me as a reason the first time patients are citing a state law as their motivating factor, end quote. I, I could see that. You're like, oh, I'm coming here because of state law. You're like, huh? Um, but... SB 8 signed into effect in May by Republican Governor Greg Abbott prohibits medical workers and abortion clinics from performing abortions if they have, quote, detected a fetal heartbeat or the unborn for the unborn child, end quote. But it does provide medical exemptions for emergencies. Under the law, individuals are allowed to sue anyone who provides abortion services or aids or abets them even after the heartbeat has been detected according to the text of the law. People can be subject to fines up to $10,000 in statutory damages under civil lawsuits filed. Urologist Doug Stein, also known as the vasectomy king on billboards, advertisements, and coasters, promoting the usage of the procedure for men, describes vasectomies as being an act of love, according to the outlet, or a quote, an act of love, end quote. That's not just them saying that, like that's what it says. Quote, it's a remarkable trend in the family planning community of recognizing and promoting vasectomy and birth control for men, where this was once considered more fringe, end quote, said Sarah Miller, a Boston-based doctor who specializes in family medicine and supports Stein's act of love movement. The Supreme Court heard arguments on December 1st in the Dobbs Jackson's Women's Health Organization case centered on Mississippi's law prohibiting most abortions from being performed after 15 weeks of pregnancy. A ruling from court, the court could possibly affect the 1973 decision that ruled uh, that abortion access um, a constitutional that abortion is an act uh, an, uh, a constitutional right for women. Um, this is, <laughs> I mean, it blows. It's like I can't murder a baby. So I'm not going to have any. Like, you're telling me you can't abort a child, you can't murder a baby, so you're not going to have one. Like, they're saying, since you're not letting me murder a baby, I'm just not going to have a baby. That's mind-blowing to me how this is a reaction to it is, oh, we're not going to have babies. Uh, multiple people on the right are like, cool, go ahead, get your vasectomy. Like, that works for us. Um, I don't know if they can be undo, undone. I think they can. Um yeah, it does. You can undo a vasectomy, apparently. Um, 95% high, 95% or higher success rate. So yes, they can undo the vasectomy, but it's just weird. They're like, I can't have a baby, to, I, or because I don't have the option of killing a baby, I don't want one. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a very sad reality that we have in America today. Um, and that's, I just, I don't understand the idea that, well, it's in my body, so it's whatever. If, if a human's in your body, suddenly that, that human doesn't matter and it gives you every right to kill it. And then they say, well, it's not fully developed. And you could argue that humans never fully develop, but your ears are, your, I mean, your ears are always growing. Um, your child will argue, you're, you fully develop at 25. Does that mean I can murder anyone up until 25 if they just do something with my body I don't like? I mean, okay, if someone pinches me, well, that's my body that they just messed with, and that caused me pain and issues. 
so I can murder them because they're still developing because they're 16. Um, that's just, I, I never understood the development argument. Um, it really shows that, I, I mean, over 97% of abortions are for convenience. Um, it was an accidental pregnancy. They don't want it. If you, if you don't have a kid, then you can't, when you, when you have sex, you accept the risk of having a kid with it. So if you can't accept that risk, or if you don't want to take, like, if you don't want the kid, then don't take that risk. Or, or you follow through with the punishments you have for it. This is, abortion is, 97% of abortions are simply them avoiding punishment. Or, I think it's, I think it's over 99, but I'm going to be nice and say 97. Over 97% of abortions are because they don't want to have punishment for their actions. It's an escape. And it's a, it's a really unfortunate thing in America that that's allowed. And that's considered a right, is, is getting away with getting away from the consequences of actions by murdering someone is considered a right in today's America. And that's mind blowing. And that's sad. Um, but that's what we see all around us. Um, and I usually try to stay unbiased, but that's like the one I just, I just can't, uh, for is abortion. Um, but uh, a weird article, as I said, um, vasectomies in response to the abortion law. Um, weird, but we see it right there. Um, obviously not a huge, huge amount of women, uh, men, I'm sorry, men. Um, but, but still a number of them, which, uh, once again, very weird. That's considered an act of love. Of course, the abortion doctor is saying this because I, that's how he makes all of his money. Uh, and if there's no abortions, he can't make his money. So this is just, this is, you know, he needs his money. So that's why he's like, yes, yes, everyone protested. So I can be rich and continue to be wealthy. Uh, and, and you can look at Planned Parenthood and all those who first, who really push abortion today. And you can literally see that they are founded on uh, racism. Like Pan, Planned Parenthood's original reason um, was, to, was to promote a quote-unquote superior race, the white race. Um, the founder, uh, she was a eugenicist who wanted to get rid of um, and, and break down the African-American race. Uh, she uh, was not enamored uh, by African-Americans, even according to NPR and all of them, like these left-wing sources even admit it. Margaret Sanger is her name, uh, one of the founders for Planned Parenthood, and she was a eugenicist who did not like African-Americans. Um, so left, even, a, like I said, a left-wing source, NPR, is even saying that about Planned Parenthood. Um, she wanted to control the population and was, quote, not particularly enamored with black people, end quote. I mean, that's, that's what the basis of abortion in America, that's, that was, that is what abortion in America was placed upon. Originally, eugenics. But now it's seen as a, as a right. I, I think it's mind blowing. And that's where, um, like you, you look at that and you say, wow, that is, that is a crazy fact today, and, and it makes you wonder, okay, um, what if there is a law allowing abortion for one racial class and not another? Would that be seen as an injustice for those that couldn't get abortions, or would it be seen as an attempt to eliminate another racial class? That's what I, I saw that on, on Twitter once, and I had to save that. I mean, what if there was a law allowing for abortions of only one race? Would you say that that race is lucky or would you say that they're trying to eliminate the race? So, so if it is considered a right, 
would you say that it's lucky if, if only, we'll put it to the most extreme, if only African Americans could get abortion? What would everyone be saying about it? Would they see, oh, they're so lucky they get that right? Or would they be saying, oh, they must be getting targeted. They must, they, they're trying to eradicate the African American race. And that's where you see Planned Parenthood was always made to target African Americans, and it still targets the African American community. A, a, a very high amount of African Americans make up the uh, yearly abortions in America. And, and frankly, around the globe, you can still see it targeting the African American community. And imagine how many, I mean, 67 million, more over 67 million babies have been killed. That's 67 million humans who all had amazing capability and amazing prospects. And who knows what they could have done. You know, you always hear like, oh, they could have cured cancer. But even more than that, that's a child who never got to learn how to ride a bike or swim or, or go play sports. Or if it's a girl, they never got to hang out with their girlfriends and learn how to do makeup or um, also sports and all that. You know, I'm just trying to, you're trying to be gender specific here, but like for guys, they don't get to wrestle and for girls, they don't get to do makeup or whatever. Is, is They don't get that opportunity all because the parent wasn't willing to pay the consequence for their action. And that's, that's mind-blowing that that is considered... Um, a right nowadays, uh, and not uh, an atrocity like it is. Uh, and I'm sure one day we'll look back at it um, and realize how much of a atrocity it was uh, in the far future. I think it'll take a bit, uh, but I'm, I'm certain that we will look back and realize, like, oh my goodness, um, what were we thinking? Why do we think that this was something that was correct? And this is something that we thought were right. It was right. And um, it, it's just, it's a very dark time that we live in. Um, a very sad time, but hopefully um, we can all switch it around. But until we do switch it around, that is all the news that I have for you today. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday, a wonderful rest of your week. And a happy New Year's. Thank you so much for listening.